This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, July 5th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Rob Bluey. On today's show, I speak with Tom Lewis, author of Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. We also read your letters to the editor and kick off the week with a good news story. Before we get to today's show, we want to tell you about one of the most popular resources on the Heritage Foundation website, the Guide to the Constitution. More than 100 scholars have contributed to create a unique line-by-line analysis of our Constitution. The guide is intended to provide a brief and accurate explanation of each clause of the Constitution as envisioned by the framers and as applied in contemporary law. We just celebrated our independence as a nation, so what better time to learn about the Constitution? Just visit heritage.org constitution or simply search for the Heritage Foundation Guide to the Constitution. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. Tom Lewis is the founder of the T.W. Lewis Company, an Arizona-based real estate investment company known for its outstanding quality and customer service in the home building industry. Tom is also a strong supporter of the Heritage Foundation and someone whom I've had the opportunity to get to know over the last few years. And he's here today to talk to us about his book, Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. Tom, welcome to the Daily Signal Podcast. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to begin, before we get to your book, by having you share more about your amazing life. You have been a successful entrepreneur in real estate. Uh, You also have a beautiful family. Uh, You've written this amazing book, which has so many life lessons. But before we delve into some of those, tell us about your own experience, maybe some of the successes and failures along the way. Yeah, well, I started off as a Navy brat. And uh, moved around a lot. And uh, I was born in Utah, moved to Rhode Island, then went to Pensacola, Florida, then Jacksonville. And then my dad retired from the Navy. But my mother used to say, grow where you're planted. And that was always a a good message for me. As a military kid, you know, you learn to adapt. And and I think the the big lesson there was just being open to experience. You know, that's that's something that really just helps you learn and grow and and um, and and be happy. And so we we learned to do that early as a as a military kid. But we always knew where we where we were from. And uh, our family was from Kentucky. And we would go back there every summer, spend time with the grandparents. And in hindsight, that made a big impact on me. Just the, the small town values, the, the Christian values, the, uh, just the, you know, my grandparents were, were wonderful people. And so that was kind of uh, formative for me. But then, then I got to high school, played high school football. And that taught me a lot of lessons, just teamwork, learning how to lose uh, had great coaches, really character builders, and, uh, and then I went to college and uh, joined a fraternity, and again, that was a, a lot of fun. I got involved in campus activities, got to know the president of the university through the, through the, those things, and just kept kind of having new experiences. Uh, traveled a lot, uh, did a lot of fun things, went to the Mardi Gras a few times, I mean, things like that you do in college. But then I majored in engineering, and that was not for me. And, um, you know, I could, I was good in math, but just engineering didn't, didn't float my boat. And so I knew I was really uh, born to be in business. And so I went straight to graduate business school at North Carolina. And that really was, was a wonderful experience for me. Again, kind of taking the next step, uh, running into B school 
faculty, which were amazing people, uh, you know, great role models. And I met a lot of good friends there that, that are lifelong friends. And then I started my career. And uh, probably the best thing about my career is I changed jobs every two or three years. And uh, every time you change jobs, you kind of get a promotion, you get a new experience, you get a new city, you get a new boss. And it's just a lot of learning going on. And that's kind of my message in, in the book, really, in terms of career is, you know, keep moving, keep learning, keep growing. That You know, don't worry about your salary. Don't worry about your bonus. Don't worry about your office. You know, just just worry about who your boss is and what you're learning. And uh, so I, I somehow knew that. And uh, but, um, you know, my father filed bankruptcy when I was 16. And so that kind of... Uh, I think it had something to do with the drive that I that I had, and uh, you know, there's a chapter in my book on drive, and that's some that's something that you don't see in a lot of books. But uh, looking back, I tried to kind of connect the dots for myself, and you know, at age 65, I, I said, you know, how did I get to where I am? What did I do differently? You know, we had our 50th high school reunion, you know, and. Uh, you go back to your 50th high school reunion and you see a lot of your old friends and most of them didn't do very well, you know, and, uh, and you wonder, well, what, why did I do well? What did I do differently? And so, uh, kind of borrowing Steve Jobs, uh, you know, connecting the dots phrase, I, I look back and try to connect the dots. What did I do that helped me along my road to achieve, you know, success and a good life? And, and so I put together this book based on 10 principles. And uh, it starts with personal character. Well, and and thank you for writing it. It is incredibly valuable. You've had so many high-profile endorsements of, of the book uh, that I, obviously it's had a positive effect on, on so many individuals. And somebody who loves these types of books myself, uh, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. And and so before we get into to some of the, the details and the different chapters and, and the content of the book, uh, what was it that inspired you to, to – Tell the story and to provide this advice, mm-hmm. particularly, I think, to young people who may be struggling right now in our culture with mm-hmm. so much doom and gloom out there to have a path forward for their future. Yeah, well, that, thanks for asking that, because, um, you know, we all also gave a lot of scholarships back when we first started our foundation. And my wife and I would interview these kids for an, for an hour, one on one. And so uh, we started to see the change there and how uh, the millennials or the, you know, during the 2010s, I'd say, we saw a change where kids were beginning to show this anxiety. And um, and then, then uh, through my involvement with the University of Kentucky, they would tell me that a third to a half of the kids in college were taking anxiety medication. I thought, wow, that is sad. You know, so what are they, what are they anxious about? Well, they're, they're anxious about what they're going to do, about who they are, about what their talents are, I mean, what they're going to do with their life. And it's not obvious right now with with the way the world has changed. I'm not sure what I would do if I was 19 right now. So this book is really written to, to try to calm their nerves and hopefully uh, reduce or eliminate their anxiety by understanding a, a real model that's based on truth and experience. And it's not all the nonsense that they're hearing in pop culture. And so number one, I thought I had a message to to give, and, uh, and you know, and, and I guess the biggest reason was that there were so many bad messages that just bothered me a lot, like follow your passion, do what you love, live your dream, and I, I heard these kids say that, 
And uh, I, you know, I say, what are you gonna do when you grow up? I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to California. You know, that would be their career plan. And then, you know, but so this idea of, of just, you know, focusing on yourself and on your happiness. And I'd say, how important is career success to you? And they'd say, well, it's not so important that I would give up my happiness. So they, th- they thought success and happiness was a choice and that success, you had to mint money and you had to work and then you lose your happiness. Well, that's not true. You know, you can, you can be happy and, and successful or, or sad and broke and, but you know, it, it's not one or the other. So I tried to, give us what I call wisdom uh, to people that could, that was really based on truth and experience and um, try and to try to give them a path forward that they could count on. You know? Well, I'm glad you mentioned some of those items there because my next question focuses on, on what you call the popular myths about oh, yeah. uh, building a successful life. And I want to go through a few of those Great. with you right now, because that's my favorite part of the book. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the time that you spend talking about these. And let's begin with the first one, which is successful people are just lucky. What do you have to say about that myth? Well, uh, you know, there's a few people that win the lottery and they're lucky. Okay. But other than that, if you ever talk to a person that is successful in business, in sports, in radio, in in philanthropy, they will tell you how hard it was and how much harder they had to work. And I think successful people just put in more time. They put in – it takes more hours. I mean if you do do a good job, it takes 40 hours a week. If you do a great job, it takes 60 to 80 hours a week. So the the successful people are putting in the 60 and 80-hour weeks. And nobody's seeing it. Even Michael Jordan put in overtime when it came to to developing his skills. And so you start with your natural talent. And, you know, successful people are not, you know, there there is some good fortune there. I mean, there's, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talked about good fortune. But it's, it's, it's a lot more than good fortune. And another reason I wrote the book is that in the world of success books, which I, like you, Rob, have been a fan of, and I've read most of them, Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey, you know, Dale Carnegie had 12 rules. Stephen Covey had seven habits. Then came Malcolm Gladwell's outliers, and he had three things, you know, 10,000 hours, good fortune, and talent, I think. And then came grit, and that's the one that really bugged me, because now success had been boiled down to one trait. You just need grit, and that's it. Well, you know, I started that, that book was published in 2016, and that's when I started writing Solid Ground. And I had I went back to ten things, you know, personal character, hard work, goal setting, self awareness, helping other people. I think that's a big part of success. And so, I tried to to make it not so simple anymore. Well, well, Tom, thank you for for sharing that. Uh, I'm not going to go through all all of the myths, but I, another one I did want you to cover was you have to choose between success and happiness. Yeah, and I mentioned that earlier because I would ask, you know, students, you know, how important is career success? And that was kind of a trick question. I wanted to see what they had to say. And initially, I'd say back around 2000, they would say it's everything. I've got to be successful. My family is depending on me. And uh but then it started to become, well, it's not it's kind of important. That's, they would all say this, but it's not so important that I would give up my happiness. And so they're they're saying that 
they were they they thought there was a conflict between hard work and and success and happiness, and that you if you worked hard and were successful, you had to sacrifice your happiness. Well, that's not true. You know, um, Dennis Prager wrote a, a book you know twenty years ago called "Happiness is a Serious Problem," and and that's a great book. But it it, it talks about you know happiness is so important, but there's so many myths about it that just aren't true. And you know, if you go to Africa, those people are the happiest people on the planet, and they have nothing. So, so success and happiness are unrelated. They're two different things. So you can have one or both or neither. And so, but these kids thought, well, I can either be successful, I can be happy. I'm going to choose. And they're being told to choose happy. And and Tom, why is that though? Because I believe you've, you've identified particularly the millennial generation and maybe every generation that's mm-hmm. followed millennials as, as having this different outlook uh, that maybe previous generations mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. Is it, the parents? Is it the schools? Is it something else in our culture that is directing them toward this happiness? Well, I have to say that um, I guess the the baby boomers, which I'm a member of, I think we went after success and and wealth, and then we kind of spoiled our kids. I think in general, and um, and then they grew up spoiled, and then they're spoiling their kids, and then you got the school infiltration, and then you then you have tech and all the nonsense that you get out of that. And really, uh, you know, you feel sorry for kids that are getting uh, drawn into the into the social media thing because it's such a such a uh, negative influence on them because you see all these perfect people out there and then you start thinking, well, I'm not perfect. And uh, and then uh, you start feeling, you you know, like you're uh, not not good enough. And so many kids feel that they're not pretty enough. They're not thin enough. They're not perfect enough. And, you know, their ears are too big or whatever. And. And so they're all, they're getting all that nonsense just for, on their phones, and they're spending way too much time on their phones instead of face to face talking. And so th- I think there's a lot of trends there, but I think they've come together and created a generation that is really lost. Yeah, well, um, I, 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 that's why I, I, I think it's so important for people to take to heart what you're mm-hmm. what you're writing about here. Passion is another topic that you cover in the book. Um, you are, are very humble, and when you were talking about the number of hours that that somebody has to to work in, I mean, you yourself were, were, were I believe from from our, our previous conversations and other interviews I've listened, you were regularly putting in eighty hours a week in in mm-hmm. your job to be successful. Mm-hmm. So why is it that talent and hard work and persistence are the key to success? There's some magical things that happen. Um, the first one I'll say is personal character, and. Um, there's a quote in there that says, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. So if you, if you build a reputation for integrity through, through just doing the right thing, um, that reputation follows you around. And, you know, in, in the book, I talk about all these opportunities that came to me because of, of people I'd known in the past that knew me, that liked me, that respected me, and that then offered me opportunities. Had I not impressed them or, or made friends with them, opportunities wouldn't have come my way. But I, I built a long, a, a large bank of, of friends and advocates, if you will. Um, and then the hard work, what people think about hard work is they go, ooh, that's that's hard. But what happens when you work hard is you build your resilience, first of all, because you tackle, I, I say, you know, doing hard things uh, is you, you create resistance and it's not easy. And then you keep pushing through that, and then by the time you push through it, you built your resilience. Okay, so you're not you're not afraid of hard work anymore. But that's resilience, and that's that's what's uh, 
really missing a lot in this generation. And then with the resilience and the hard work comes the self-esteem that you, you know, you, you're, you're prouder of yourself. You feel better about yourself. And it's the same way with helping other people. When you help other people, you feel good. You know, if you help an old lady across the street, you know, she thanks you, but you, 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 you feel better than she does because you just did something good and you know, it was good. You know, what was right. So, so doing these kinds of things and, you know, helps build your self-esteem and hard work is builds your resilience and your self-esteem. And those are two things that are missing in this, in this generation and as a generality. And part of it is because they're being discouraged to work. You know, they're saying, uh, you know, I, I don't want to work that hard. I'll, I'll lose my happiness. <laughs> so that that's that's so true. I, I and I think it's has serious yeah. implications for what the future of this country is going to look like, particularly mm-hmm. when they are in a position of leadership and and how then mm-hmm. do they advise mm-hmm. uh, the people who are working for them or or what does it mean mm-hmm. for the future of entrepreneurship in in our country? So a, a whole mm-hmm. number of mm-hmm. uh, of potential challenges there. Uh, Tom, you illustrate uh, your advice in a pyramid form uh, in the book. Uh, I want to talk about those three levels of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. What goes into each one and and how to build on the others. Uh, The first level of the pyramid is the foundation of success. So goal setting, personal character, self-awareness, hard work, helping others. Uh, Let's start there before we get to the second. Yeah, well, I I think, you know, as a home builder, I know that the foundation is so important. And if you have a bad foundation, you cannot have a, a good house. I mean, a bad foundation is kind of permanent and it it, it it ruins a house and it can ruin a life. You know, uh, you know any you know a, a serious breach of character can ruin your life. Um, and you know so 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 that you have to worry first about your foundation and your foundation will will keep you secure through hardships. You know so by so you have to have that solid foundation and and your family is part of that foundation which I didn't really talk about but. But it's really, you know, what what holds you together. But the but these traits are foundational. You know, the personal character, these these, the the their discipline really. And then the 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 second tier is really what I call reaching your potential. And that's you see a lot of really talented people. I've known. I told a story in the book about a guy I knew that went to Harvard and went, was a White House fellow and all these honors and high IQ and all that. But he burned out in his in his 30s or 40s because he just didn't really have the – he didn't take risk. So when I go into the reaching your potential, you have to take risk. You have to make good decisions. You know, nobody talks about how important good decisions are in your life. You know, good decisions is really more important than than talent. You know, if you have talent and high IQ and all that, but you make bad decisions, you know, it's, your life is not going to go that well. So taking risk, a lot of people are afraid of risk. That's another thing that young adults or millennials are being told to be safe out there. I went through a fast food place a few months ago and, and these kids in the window, instead of saying thank you, they say, be safe out there. You know, I mean, so like, what what do I have to worry about? You know, so. So there's this fear of taking risk, you know, but but risk is necessary for reward. And so entrepreneurs, successful people take risk. And then the other the other traits in that category are what? Talent, decision making, risk taking, drive and execution. Yeah, well, talent is a big one. And what I say is forget your passion, find your talent. 
Because passion, I think, if you have children, you know, comes at the end. You know, you know, when I started my home building company, I wasn't passionate about building houses. But 25 years later, I was. And the day our children was, were, were born, you know, I, you know I, I didn't know them. But 20 years later, I had suffered so much. You know, passion comes from the word pathos, which means suffering. And, uh, the, you know, the, kind of like the passion of Christ. And so... Once you once you suffer through something, you you then have passion for it. But passion doesn't come at the beginning; it comes at the end. Hard work comes at the beginning. <laughs> you know, that's right. And then the 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 top of the pyramid: life's greatest achievements, success, purpose, meaning, wisdom, and happiness. Well, you know, I've always kind of enjoyed those subjects, and I've you know heard, learned a lot from Dennis Prager on, on some of those subjects. But you know, purpose. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of high school kids are being told, or in college kids, to find their purpose. Well, you know, the, I don't think you can find your purpose when you're in college. You know, I, I found my purpose when I was in my 60s. It, it never really hit me. You know that. You know, but I ask, and, and you know, I'm a spiritual fellow, but. Uh, you know why did why did God give me the the skills He gave me? Why did He put me through the experiences that I've been put through, the good and the bad? Why did He what did what was He preparing me for? You know that's that's my purpose. It's really not my purpose at all. It's His purpose for me. That's how I feel about it. So, so you can't find your purpose. I mean, you you know when you're when you're 22, I think you have to kind of live it out. And and it comes at the end. So don't. So when you're 22 and you're you're in college, don't worry about your purpose. Find your talent. I mean, find out. Work on that. Find out what you're naturally good at with little or no effort, and work on de- on getting better because that's that's your gift. That's your. T- uh, and we all, you know, it, it takes some of us longer than others, and some people never find their talent. They might be in the wrong job, and so one of the parts of reaching your potential is changing jobs. To make sure you don't get stuck in a job that doesn't really use your best talent. And we all have talents. They're just different. I, I encourage so many things that I, I want to follow up on there. But uh, just a couple of points. Number one, the importance of taking risks and and, and entrepreneurs. Obviously, not everyone's built to be one. But uh, it, it's so critically important to be in a position where uh, individuals do take those risks. And, and when, you know, they sometimes feel uh, challenging and, and outside of your comfort zone, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, still, uh, it's still something that I would personally encourage people to, to take a look at. The second thing you said, you talked about making decisions. And you also have a section of the book where you talk about some of the steps and questions you should ask yourself mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to making important decisions, particularly about life, not just day-to-day decisions mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Walk us through some of those, those aspects, I think particularly for maybe our younger listeners who are, are struggling with with maybe the direction that they want to go in, in their life. Uh, yeah. What are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Well, I think one of the harder decisions to make is changing jobs. And that that is very hard. I acknowledge that. And I've done it five times. Okay. But but so you're in a job. You've been there three years. You're 28 years old. Uh, you know, I, I like to say year one, you love your job. Year two, you like your job. Year three, you're starting to see some things you don't like. But so it's, let's say you think it's time to move, but you, you're afraid your boss is going to find out you're looking for a job and will fire you. So you kind of sneak around and, and then you just postpone it and postpone it. And, and then now next thing you know, you've been there 10 years and you're 36 years old and, it's, and, and the clock's ticking. You know, you can move when you're in your 20s and even in your 30s, I think. But once you get into your 40s, you, you need to be in the right industry and, and, and really you need to – 
found your talent and be using it. So uh, making that, that's a tough decision. I understand that. But but there's a way to go through that. And, and you can't make a decision until you have options. You know, you can't sit there and say, well, I, I'm having trouble making a decision about a new job. Well, what are your options? You know, you can quit now and just go find one. That's option A. You can call a friend or call somebody or, or start doing, you know, there's, there's alternatives you can start doing right now, but, but making those decisions are, those are tough decisions, but that's the kind of decision. And they're also risky. They're risky, but right there is, uh, you know, it needs to happen. If you're going to, if you're really going to develop and manage your career, you know, I talk about the difference between jobs and careers. A job is anything. It could be anybody doing anything. That's a job. A career is a series of jobs that build value in the individual and turn into something meaningful and valuable. And and that's what you want to create. And so uh, – but I think the important thing is, is choosing the right industry because you – bouncing from one industry to another, you kind of start over you know, because there's a lot of industry knowledge that you need to learn. So I got on the right target, I think, when I picked the real estate industry right out of uh, grad school. And I stayed in the in that industry, although I did a lot of different things in that industry in with different companies. But yeah, and and you 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 sometimes encounter challenges along the way and failures along the way. I mean, there there are things that that I think we're so afraid sometimes to confront those failures mm-hmm. or don't want to take the risk because of of the chance that we might not succeed uh, that it paralyzes us. So I appreciate you giving our listeners that encouragement. By the way, Tom, I, I neglected to do so earlier, but I really encourage people to go to solidgroundbook.com where where they can order a copy and find some other great information on the website. There, a couple other questions that I have for you. You mentioned family earlier. I think that that's one of the things that as a as a father myself with three young kids, mm-hmm. you know, it's a struggle uh, balancing a busy work life, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in the communications field where it's, you know, a 24-7 operation. There's news always happening and finding that time to devote to your family. Uh, what's your advice on that and how did mm-hmm. you manage mm-hmm. it in your own situation? Well, I rarely missed a dinner at home. Family dinners were very important to us and we, you know, I was always there. For, for dinner. Uh, I usually worked late. I started early. I might work till six o'clock or something, but I was always there for dinner. And uh, I had a great wife. Or I have a great wife and she, she took care of the, the home and, and the kids during the day. Also got very involved with my kids uh, in, in their sporting activities and in their school and all that. So I was engaged with them, you know, coaching them in, in little league sports till they were about 12 or 13. And that was a lot of good memories. And then taking family trips. You know, I, I think, you know, making memories with your family, you know, that um, I, my mother used to talk about when she was a kid back in 1928, I think, her father took the family to the Chicago World Fair. And uh, she never forgot that. And so that kind of made an impression on me. You know, you need to you need to make memories with your family, you know, do take trips, do things uh, with them. And I think trips is a, is a big thing because kids remember that. So we did a lot of family trips. We did, I think, 25 years in a row. We did family vacations every summer. It was just automatic. And we planned where to go and we'd go somewhere for a week. And, and it was just, you know, so those kinds of things. But you have to stay engaged. But when they turn 13, Rob, they get it gets harder. Oh, because, I know. <laughs> because their friends become number one and, and, and their parents become last. <laughs> that's right. Well, well, in, in my case, we I, I think that's great. Great advice and 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 
I try to spend every every weekend uh, pick a day to take the two older boys golfing. Uh, since yeah. since the pandemic, they haven't done baseball. I, yeah. I was passionate about baseball when yeah. and, you know thought I was yeah. going to be a professional baseball player yeah. when I was probably 10 years old oh, and really? realized that that was, yeah, that was I, I should not follow my passion. I should follow maybe right, what, right, I, what right. I, I can work hard at and succeed right. at. But uh, no, I think that that time that you spend with your kids is so important. And I think particularly because we have come out of the pandemic in a situation where parents are obviously looking at you know, having more control over their kids' education and and just mm-hmm. you know more say in yeah. in, in uh, mm-hmm. the the various things and some of that means pulling them out of public schools and putting them in home schools or, mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. know whatever that uh, that situation might be you for know, them. Personally. I, I have a comment there yeah. on uh, on raising children, and I think there's really two ways to raise children. There's two schools of thought. One is to make them happy, and the other one is to make them strong. And I and I really think that uh, too many families try to make their kids happy. Uh, they try to please them. You know, what would you like for dinner, dear? You know, I mean, uh, and then just giving them everything to try to make them happy. And that really spoils them and makes them unhappy. And I think what kids really want is is discipline. They want to know their boundaries. And they, and it, it should be king, dad, queen, mom. And if anything, kids should make their parents happy. But you need to make your kids strong. And the way you make them strong, and I think we did this with our boys, is we made them work at age-appropriate things. We made them earn what they get. Um, you know, one, one time one of our sons asked me if he could get a new bike. And I said, well, you just got a bike for Christmas six months ago. And he goes, yeah, but I'm tired of it. I said, okay, I'll pay half. You pay half. He goes, never mind. I didn't want it that much. <laughs> Amazing when you, know, you but, get that kind you, of response. But, but you can, yeah. but you can make, make your kids work. You know, yeah. make, make them earn what they get. And then that, that's a life lesson that uh, helps make them strong because you want your kids to be strong so they can handle things. And the problem with our generation right now, or a lot of them, is that they're not strong. They're weak. And uh, they've been spoiled. And they've, they've never built that resilience. They've never been forced to work. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I, I I think you're spot on with that uh, with that analysis, Tom. One final question for you: You have a list of recommended books and mm-hmm. inspiring quotes at the end of Solid Ground. How did you compile these, and why was it important to include them? Well, I just thought I'd been influenced by all those books, you know. And the Bible was number one. Uh, Dale Carnegie's book I read that As a Man Thinketh by James Lane Allen. That that was the first success book I ever read, and it was about twenty pages long. As a man thinketh, you know, and it, everything starts in the mind. So, those books really influenced me as I was growing up. And then Stephen Covey's and, and the whole list of books in there. I just I've read a lot of those books, and I just wanted to put a, a list of uh, books. Happiness is a serious problem. I read that book and became happier, just because I understood that I was making myself unhappy with silly little things. You know, like looking for what's wrong versus what's right, you know. So there, so you get a lot smarter when you read books. And, and uh, You certainly do. I, yeah. I, I strongly encourage. I, I know that that's, uh, yeah. that's a challenge in our busy world, but it's so important to find the time to do that. Yeah, and then, then the quotes. You know, I, I tried to make the book inspirational, and, uh, and the quotes were, are all that. I mean, there's just – there's something about a quote that just kind of has, has a ring to it that you, and you, you'll remember the ones that really – you know, resonate with you. And so I think there's a 200 quotes in, in the book and 
they're all inspirational. They are. They're great. Well, and Tom, you are inspirational. So thank you for writing the book. We'll be sure to include a link to it in the transcript and the show notes for this podcast. Uh, We appreciate you telling us your story and sharing the advice with us. I think that this is for those parents out there who are, are looking for a way to not only become better parents, but maybe motivate their kids uh, to succeed mm-hmm. in life. Uh, this is an outstanding read. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Rob. Conservative women, conservative feminists. It's true. We do exist. I'm Virginia Allen. And every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories that are of particular interest to conservative leaning or problematic women. That is women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to politics and policy. Plus, we bring you an exclusive interview with a problematic lawmaker or conservative activist every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each week, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? In response to our recent podcast episode, Clarence Thomas, in his own words, one of our podcast listeners left us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, writing a very good discussion about Justice Thomas. I enjoyed it so much. Such a remarkable human being. I purchased the DVD from my library with the hope that my grandchildren will never forget who he is. And in response to the Daily Signal's reporting on football coach Joe Kennedy, Jimmy Larson writes, It is a sad day when we as Americans cannot pray to our God when we want to without reprisals. I am a veteran and have served to protect these rights. It's called freedom. I stand firmly with my brother veteran. And of course, Coach Kennedy received his victory at the Supreme Court just last week. Very exciting day and been an exciting past week from the Supreme Court. But thank you to all of our listeners when you write in and send us your letters to the editor. We love reading your feedback. So if you have never done so, you can express your views, share what you like, things you want to see from the Daily Signal by writing letters at DailySignal.com. As conservatives, sometimes it feels like we're constantly on defense against bad ideas. Bad philosophy, revisionist history, junk science, and divisive politics. But here's something I've come to understand. When faced with bad ideas, it's not enough to just defend. If we want to save this country, then it's time to go on offense. Conservative principles are ideas that work. Individual responsibility, strong local communities, and belief in the American dream. As a former college professor and current president of the Heritage Foundation, my life's mission is to learn, educate, and take action. My podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, is my opportunity to share that journey with you. I'll be diving into the critical issues that plague our nation, having deep conversations with high-profile guests, some of whom may surprise you. And I want to ensure freedom for the next generation. Find The Kevin Roberts Show wherever you get your podcasts. Bernadette, thank you so much for being back with us today. It's always good to kick off the week with a little bit of good news. So what do you have for us today? Thanks, Virginia. This one is actually coming from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Following the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade, pregnancy resource centers have all eyes on them as more women and their babies are in need. One Virginia pregnancy center, Mary Shelter, has been open for 16 years with multiple homes for mothers and their children. In addition to housing and pregnancy resources, Mary Shelter offers parenting training and employment opportunities. Shantae Mallory, 
a mother who has been helped by Mary Shelter, tells CBS News how she at first decided to have an abortion because she felt like she did not have any option. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It was just at the moment, it was that's what everybody was telling me to do. So I feel like that was really my only option. But after coming across the support of Mary Shelter, she changed her mind. It changed my life. It changed your life. It gave me a new start. I didn't have to give up or get rid of a child that I knew I wanted um, just because things got hard. I didn't have a support system. Shantae is now a mother of five beautiful girls and is studying theology in Bible college and is a peer recovery coach. I'm in Bible college uh, studying for theology. I also am a peer recovery coach, so I help those that are battling with addictions, traumas from like sexual abuse or just past traumas. Logan Wilkins is another mother helped by the home. She was pregnant and sleeping behind a dumpster. I was literally sleeping behind a dumpster eight months pregnant. After spending some time in Mary's shelter, this mother is preparing to be on her own again, this time with a career in the medical field. I just got a new job um, where in the career field that I want to be in, the medical field. So what are you doing? I am a scheduler, but I'm getting my medical billing and coding certification in four months. I should be done in October. Mary Shelter has hosted over 300 women and their children and has turned not one mother away, says the founder Kathleen Wilson. We turn no one away because we know that their situation at that moment is just that desperate. These mothers want other expecting mothers to know there is hope, abortion is not the only option, and to look for ministries like Mary Shelter for help. Mm, Bernadette, thank you so much for sharing that. Our former colleague, Mary Margaret Olahan, did some reporting on Mary Shelter a little while ago, and it's especially critical at this moment in history, I think, to be talking about what are these practical solutions, the ways that women can be helped, and to highlight some of these awesome organizations that for years have been doing the practical work of the pro-life movement. So thank you so much for sharing. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there for today. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on the Ricochet Audio Network. And all of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It really means a lot to us. And it helps us to continue to spread the word to more and more listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a wonderful week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.